Hello there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TapCalf Transmissions, featuring the only two Star Wars podcast hosts that were available on such short notice. I'm one of your hosts for the week, Corey, and joining me, as always, is my efficient co-host, Mr. Eckhart's Ladder. How are you doing, Justin? Good, good. It's a real shame they couldn't get the uh, the guy who made all those mean videos about J.J. Abrams in 2015 to host this one. I know Which was... one? You'll have to be more specific. I think his name was Jar Jar Abrams, maybe. Oh, yeah. Remember him? He, that was like before the Star Wars hate thing was cool. So he yeah. was like a kind of a trendsetter. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yep. A real pioneer of the movie. Oh, yeah, they, could, they couldn't get him, so uh, here we are. <laughs> all right, well... Uh, sad as you all may be to have to deal with us, we are here to talk about Young Jedi Knights Book 12. We are 12 books into this into this series. That's almost half a year that we've spent talking yeah. about Young Jedi Knights. And this time, we're returning to Ord Mantell. And I know what you're thinking. Have they been to Ord Mantell? And the answer for almost all of the characters in this book is no. Besides for Han. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was thinking Ord Mantell was where they'd went... Um... The mission. I, I I was thinking Mechus. That was Ord yeah. Mantell. I was like, oh yeah, they, they went there. But no, yeah, that was Mechus. So they, yeah, they've never been there. Han Solo went to Ord Mantell. Um, I assume the one the his occasion there is the one he mentions in Episode Five, right? Yeah, he ran into that bounty hunter on Ord Mantell that changed his mind. And yeah. uh, I think like there's like five or six candidates that he lists in this book for which one that could have been. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's probably the. Uh, the insectoid one, because the other guy, mm -hmm. Sethros, that we hear or that we meet in this book as well, is uh, he's he was a smuggler. So, yes. There's and one of course, because they meet the because the Ord Mantel is mentioned as having bounty hunters. That means that it is now a bounty hunter planet. <laughs> well, yeah, there's the bounty hunter world. There's the blue people world. There's mm -hmm. the ice world. There's the accountant world on Munilinst. Mm -hmm. Like, what did Munilinst do before they met the rest of the galaxy? Like, were they just all sitting around like, oh, someday we'll have some books to keep. Then they met the Republic's like, oh, thank God, we can we can look after the finances for other people. Well, I guess they were just, yeah, I guess they were just doing their own books. They, like, they were, they were cooking, they were cooking their books so well that that was a sustainable, uh, sustainable industry, hmm. which is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the galaxy could learn some stuff. Right. So probably a shorter episode today. Um, as mentioned, we're talking book 12, Return to Ord Mantel. Um, before we get into it, Corey, is there any uh, Star Wars news or anything you'd like to talk about? Uh, I don't think so, unless uh, unless there's anything that's been eating away at you in the no, last few days. Really. No, I did manage to buy a, a, an Xbox Series X today, which... I had been waiting for for a while the Halo bundle, um, and it's not actually a crazy price. Um, and I was looking up the stats on the Series X, and it's actually about it's pretty much better than my computer, which surprised me. They've got a really a lot of good hardware in there. It's like the graphics card is like comparable to a um, like a thirty six hundred, or not a thirty six hundred AM. What's the new Nvidia series? The lowest one of those 3060 yeah 3060 um so yeah i bought that but i don't get it until december so much like halo itself yeah it, I, the same day yeah so i got the halo package which 
it was crazy online. They were gone within like literally five seconds. Um, so did you have to go into the store to pre-order it? I did. Yeah, I had to put a fifty dollar. Oh, I I put a three hundred dollar down payment on it. Um, I could have paid for the whole thing for it. No, I could have paid for the whole thing. They require fifty dollars, and I was like, "How much can I tap?" Because I was holding Imogen. It's like, "What's the tap limit on this machine?" They're like three hundred dollars. I'm like, "Okay, I'll pay that then." <laughs> What's the what is the actual haloness of the Xbox come from? Is it oh, just it's a just like Master a Chief faceplate. Yeah, it's just it's just a faceplate. Sometimes they have like custom sounds. I don't know, and it comes with the game. It's kind of greasy though because they make you purchase. Apparently, this is a Microsoft thing. If you buy the bundle, you have to also purchase something else. So it's like you can either buy a second controller or you can buy a there's like an accessory pack you can buy. So I thought that was kind of weird. But does it at least come with like a discount or something? No, no, it doesn't at all. It's just it's because there's like no stock right now. Like you can't even buy a standard Xbox Series X right now. Like they're selling for like a thousand dollars still it's crazy how long ago did they come out like it's been a while like yeah, ps5s be... series x's yeah. they're all just gone been out for like a year and there's still no stock like i've yeah the only thing there's you no can stock. really get is uh one of these games mm-hmm. nice nintendo switch which is all you need because you know what uh what ps5 and xbox don't have is pokemon unite so that's true but i mean even with that like switches had their hardware issue or their um but they didn't have a pandemic it's just nintendo does that on purpose (laughs) into the nintendo vault Mm -hmm. all right well uh what did you think uh what were your thoughts on the book as we get into the to the final review here i actually really like this one um it's very different than the others it's like the kids go into a war zone a lot of people are brutally killed um, there's a young woman with a spice addiction. There's people mangled and crippled by war. Um, yeah, we yeah. get a nice mangled body of a 19 year old, which yeah. is uh, which is a choice that Young Jedi Knights has not made so far. What's his <laughs> name? Petras. Strafing creatures with like his high powered <laughs> laser cannons. So, yeah. what year is this book set in? Like 2380, I think. Or 16. Yeah. So they were eight. So it's got to be 24 ABY. So that was, it was a little bit weird because with uh, Anya Galandro, who is a callback mm-hmm. to a former character from a book we've covered already, uh, it was, that wasn't Star's End. That was, it was uh, Han uh, Solo. Revenge. Yeah. And so Galandro, this smuggler that Han had worked with at the time, uh, he died in that book. And his daughter shows up here looking to get revenge on Han. She's working for the Black Sun, not realizing that they're fueling this war on her home planet. Uh, so she finds Han and the kids when they're headed to Ord Mantel for the yearly uh, blockade runner derby, which mm-hmm. it seemed like these were all much smaller. I was just hoping for a bunch of CR-90s, but I got disappointed by that. <laughs> yeah. Considering that uh, the the dragon's tooth is that's the name of it right dragon's tooth uh dragon rock dragon rock dragon yeah the rock dragon wins so smaller ships for sure yeah but they talk about the millennium falcon like it's this huge ship in uh in these books so Mm -hmm. i mean sense of scale but yeah so yeah they they start off there um 
we get a nice Morth Duel reference early on. I was like, yeah, it's been a while since I've thought about him. <laughs> Another Ribbit. Yeah. Um, well, Kip shows point... up in this book pretty early on. Yeah. Kip and Streen show up all uh, raggedly, haggedly at uh, the Jedi Academy. And it yep. seems like Luke is really running this Academy with a with an iron grip that NJO kind of puts to the side because like he's telling everyone exactly what to do all the time. Mm-hmm. And in NJO, it's more like, oh, everyone's off doing their own missions finding each other and kip is upset at luke for being uh too lax with how the jedi are meant to interact with the new republic so yeah yeah luke i mean there's a bunch of inconsistencies inconsistencies here for one they talk about how long it's been since the falcon's been repaired we're right now reading uh the black fleet crisis and the falcon's just been completely stripped down to its bones and refit a couple years Um, before yeah yeah we have zek fighting a dren gear at the beginning of the book too (laughs) which was funny like a, they should thank like, Silas. Yeah. Um, or not a drink. Yeah, that's what they're called, right? Dren gear from High Republic? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, my second note I have here is uh, fuck Uncle Owen, LOL pussy. Just like... <laughs> Luke just so, shits on Owen at the start yeah. of this book. Uncle Owen's been dead for, for 20 decades years. at this yeah. point. And Luke's talking to his students and he's like, I was raised with this guy named Uncle Owen, and he tried his best, but fuck was he lame. And if it had been his way, the galaxy would still be under the boot heel of the Empire right now, basically. <laughs> Just the lesson there is like, do things that make you uncomfortable, I guess, but like, I don't know. You can't Uncle always Owen. protect people, and that's not always what's best for the galaxy and for them, but uh, fuck Uncle Owen in particular. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is kind of funny, too, because we do get, like, Han being Team America World Police here and, like, pulling people over, forcibly searching their vehicles, trying to end a civil war by himself. So I thought that was a kind of funny little uh, contrast. Who would have thought that all it took to end a civil war was someone coming to the civil war and be like, hey, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Just talk with each other. It's easy. Apparently, this is the first time, though, in the entire war that someone had been accidentally killed by one of their own traps, and that mm-hmm. really put everything in perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. So in this 30-year civil war on the planet Anobis, it mm-hmm. just no matter the fact that they were like littering the entire planet with, uh, with all these dirty mines and shit. Yeah, like... that no one had been no one important had died yet. And then when someone important dies, like, okay, hold on, everyone. This mm-hmm. is getting a little silly. Yeah, killed as well. Like this is a dark story, as you're saying, by a uh, a spice addled. Is she a teenager? I, She's she. So Galandro died. Older. Yeah, that's yeah, what like I was getting. Years yeah. Ago. yeah, her dad died 24 years before this book, mm-hmm. or 23 years. So she's um, probably 24. And mm-hmm. it talks about how she'd like left and joined a smuggler ring, as if yeah. this would happened in like years past. But the guy who blows himself up is 19. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, we would have gone on to be married. Like, how, how old were you when he when you left? Well, it's like also kind of got some uh, chemistry with uh, Jason, too. Yeah, Jason and uh, Tanel Ka have an Anya coming between them. And Jaina and mm-hmm. Zek have an Anya coming between them. Yeah. Jason even snaps at Tanel Ka a little bit later on. Like, you can't judge yeah. her. Yeah. I love her yeah, more than like, you. I, he's like, I don't know why, but something... I really liked her and it's like the book's always describing her as like 
moving all smoothly and feline like and i'm like i think i know why you like why you're protective of her jason (laughs) yeah what was so you before we you uh, you said there's a thing that you hoped i didn't catch so you didn't catch it all right did you listen to the audiobooks or did you no i I read this one all right so uh let's see if i can pull that up it is one of my notes but there was a part where um, I, at first I thought you were mentioning there. It's talking about at the very beginning when Zek is fighting the Dren gear, like thing, no, and it's like there was like things going near his arms, and the way it was written, it looked like anus, like because it was like like you know how it, for those who don't know, we're reading basically transcribed versions because these books have never had digital releases in uh, official audiobook or an official uh, text. So it seems like the way this was made is somebody scanned the book and basically transcribed it automatically. So like certain letters or words don't work well. Like if you've got a bunch of N's or M's or R's that all kind of look the same, it gets confused. So uh, so it turned arm to like A-N-N-S. And I was like, I thought it said anus at first. And I was like, it, huh. It actually does that later on in the book. Oh, okay. So... This is uh, 89% in. Alice looked at him, and the expression on his face rippled with pure rage. They're playing both sides for fools, supplying all of us while we continue to fight and harm each other all for, each other all for nothing. I Wait, wouldn't... You... Okay, good to you. Sorry. I wouldn't be so sure. Zach, Zach crossed his anus. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the exact same thing that I almost that I thought, but it was a yes. different place. That's but hilarious. he it actually does say anus. <laughs> That's great. Specifically, crossed his anus over his chest. So <laughs> he went inside out, basically. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know why I find this so funny, but I do. I think I saw that on something awful back in the day. <laughs> crossed his anus. Okay. But yeah, so uh... at the start of the at the start of the book, they're hearing about how so. Kip and Streen come in, and it seems like we're going to get uh, the plopping about whatever they were doing and whatever they were coming to talk to Luke about. But instead... Yeah, the, uh, the Leviathan they fight, right? Yeah. But then uh, when they find out it's Kip, that's one of these Jedi that came there, Jason and Jane are like, oh, well, someone should call Dad, because Dad and Kip, they go way back. Maybe, maybe his children aren't enough to get him out here. Maybe his buddy will be. <laughs> yeah, and it's like when they go to call him, it's like it turned out Han was already en route to Yavin 4 to visit his children. And they even make a comment later, like, We're your kids, Dad. So like I they're Han was already just coming to see Kip. His he doesn't like his kids. He likes Anakin and Jaina. He doesn't like Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's I think that's correct. Um and it's kind of funny too because i was also thinking this is the second time where the author just hasn't wanted to write chewbacca so he they just give it a chewy's on a family vacation (laughs) which he Um, just recently did in black fleet crisis too so maybe chewy spends more time with his family than we give him credit for to be fair that was um that was a couple years ago right yeah it was 17 aby i think 16 17 Mm -hmm. for black fleet crisis yeah Yeah. whereas this is again 24 but, yeah, so I don't know. What's he complaining about? Like, um, my indentured slaves don't get to see their family for years at a time. So, 
I thought he has dinner with his family every Sunday. Charlie? No. Yeah. He gets to video chat with them. He, okay. He, like, will eat cereal. and I don't know. It's healthier than I think dogs. anything he eats actually is. Well, he doesn't use milk, though. He uses, he uses Pepsi. And, That's like, true. Not even Diet Pepsi. That's true. Yeah. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, uh, Han has been invited to be the Grand Marshal of, uh, of a derby race on Ord Mantel, which back in the day, Hans won this derby three times, but they want him to be the pace car for this one. And they go, they meet this old smuggler who Han been into, in some scrape ups with, thinking that he'd have a grudge. He's like, oh no, that that's way in the past. But then he's trying to blow up Han. Can you believe this? Someone is trying to kill Han Solo, Justin. I've never heard that plot line before, it, especially where Han is basically serving as the Nugtosh for this race. <laughs> What was weird to me is, like, Han has this history on Ord Mantel of finding every bounty hunter that lives there, because they all live there. Mm-hmm. And when they get to the planet, and he's called in to do his ceremonial roles and meets uh, Sethros, I think his mm-hmm. name is. It's like, oh, if Han had been wearing his blaster, this would have been a shootout. because So it's a good thing he'd stopped doing that. It's like, What? Your family's always getting attacked. You're always getting attacked. When would Han Solo not carry a blaster? Yeah. It's like there are times where like he'll go into a diplomatic meeting uh with uh with Leia and like he'll take it off on purpose. Like he'll, you know, he'll he'll put it away somewhere. So Yeah. It, yeah. Him going to Ord Mantel, I find it hard to believe he wouldn't be wearing his blaster. Yeah. How do you feel about uh, at the start when they when they separated the group when like it looked like Tanel Ka and Loey might be written out of the book? Yeah, I was that was weird. I was like, just invite them. Like, I know the Falcon's not super comfortable, but you can at least fit them in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about Han's like Han's legend has increased substantially from just being a random dude in a Mos Eisley cantina with who happened to have a ship to now he's the greatest pilot of Ormantel's ever seen. In other books, he's the greatest sharpshooter ever. He knows every single smuggler ever in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, that... I don't know. It. I don't hate it's, it. It's, it's, just, it's just kind of funny. It's just how Star Wars is. Him being the greatest pilot, I, I think I like more than him being like the best shot in the West and the, the fastest shot in the West and the, the wettest shot in the West or whatever. <laughs> the wettest? I don't know. Don't think about it. Okay. But, this did kind of make me miss the the Han the classic Han Solo trilogy though. Like, well, we've still got the Han Solo adventures to go read, or the other way around. I forget how that works always, but mm-hmm. we got we got three more full length Han Solo books to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not as good, understand. but um, yeah. I mean, they don't they won't have the late seventies charm, but that's okay. We get to see more of uh, Raynar's parents in them. So, so the basic plot. I think we covered most of it. They start off. They meet this character who's who is the child of someone that we meet way back in the third Hansel. I believe it's the third Hansel book, right? Um, and he no, I died. think the third one's Star's End, isn't it? Oh, is it Star's End? Oh, yeah, you're right. It is. Because I kept. Th- I, for some reason, I kept thinking Galandra was the one at Star's End, but that's someone else that was, like, hired and didn't want to... I might be mixing yeah. up a few of them. It's been so yeah. long. Yeah, I, I, I 
didn't really remember Galandro until I kind of wikied him, and then I was like, oh yeah. Because we talked about uh, about Anya at the time when we were covering it. Yeah. But. Yeah, so Han didn't really kill Galandro. Anya believes that he did. It was more like he kind of died in conflict with Han. Like he kind of killed himself in a way. He betrayed. I I believe what Han's story is is pretty much accurate in this. They're together trying to find Zim the Despot's treasure. Galandro betrays the group. He he beats Han in a duel, but doesn't kill him. He shoots him in the shoulder. Then he runs off into the kind of uh, the this the treasure room and gets killed by the storehouse's automated defenses. Yeah. So, and I mean, the Professor Worm why. they were with is probably dead by now. Yeah. Also, they were like, I think it's Jason that says, "Oh, so kind of like a hut," and um, that's Skinks, right? And Han is like, yeah, a mini furry hut with legs. So, like, in other words, nothing at all like a hut. <laughs> yeah. They're round. I suppose. I suppose. It's more but, like, I imagine more like a fat ferret. I don't know. Yeah. But they, uh, there's like an ambush. That's kind of cute and disgusting, I guess. Mm-hmm. But when they're doing when they're doing the uh, the initial run of the race as the pace car, they come into this area of the course that's just filled with bombs. If they'd not been going super fast, because Han was risking his kids' lives trying to get higher speed than he did in the previous attempts, yeah, they would have exploded. So, mm-hmm. uh, turns out that's good. And they're all like, "Oh well, maybe a, a an ammo dump in the last thirty years of this war happens." Like, no, you can't. Why did they ever consider this a valid Especially excuse? When you, when you know that there's a guy who doesn't like Han, who's got a reason to hate Han there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like who's running the race, and you'd think they'd do like at least a preliminary check of the track before the uh, pace car goes through it. Like, mm-hmm. no, you don't fall for this shit. So they go out and investigate it. Apparently, Anakin is so good at puzzles, he can piece together exploded bombs. Uh, that's I mean, a skill. We- he does kind of get center point station working, so to be fair. Yeah, the way they get center point working after he dies is pretty gross too. You remember the the Anakin They make like bot? a fake Anakin yeah, like an yeah. like deep fake and or like a um deep learning Anakin AI, right? Yeah, a giant weird robot that thinks he's Anakin that Ben mm-hmm. has to like talk into almost killing itself. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so they uh, they've got all the little bombs. They bring them back to Ord Mantell to examine them, or onto the Falcon to examine them, or the Rock Dragon, and then they get attacked by these little camouflaged reptile insectoid mercenaries that are mm-hmm. trying to steal the evidence. That's I where there we were no gray at first. Like just the description, just gray, gray, and like climbing up the walls. Mm-hmm. I was like, those are no gray, but I don't think They're we chameleons. really ever. Yeah, is that the name of the species, or is that just what they call them? That's just what they call them. Yeah. Yeah. And everything, every little bit gets away. <laughs> yeah. Of course. But yeah. But Anya is uh, using a lightsaber in this, and eventually mm-hmm. she does go and join the Jedi Academy in some way, but like, I'm still not clear if she had any Force potential or if she was just fueled by spice. It seems like she had a little bit, but yeah, she was definitely, she was definitely jacked up. Like... 
I feel like spice and a lightsaber without a little bit of force potential is like yeah. recipe for you're gonna use that one time and then never again. <laughs> but it seems like she's like jittery and like jumping around everywhere. Yeah. It seems like she gets introduced by the authors here as like, no, she doesn't have the force, she just has this lightsaber that she's found. And like it looks like an old pirate cutlass, her lightsaber on the front. Mm. Didn't even see that. And because uh, like there's another that. image from the essential chronology as well. And mm -hmm. it's got like the little hand guard from like a rapier. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't think she ever comes up again. And she does go and learn from Luke a bit. Hmm. What's her last appearance? It's just in the Under Black Sun trilogy. Oh, OK. Like she oh, comes right. in and like. The Encyclopedia, Central Chronology, uh, Guide to the Star Wars Universe, Guide to Characters, but she's only ever actually appeared in these three books that we're going to be reading here. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't think everyone needs to, you know, get all the, get like, uh, Lusa is one. Like, I like, if every character is a Lusa, I think that's a bit too much, but I like mm -hmm. how she is a character who's kind of, you know, brought through. But I mean, it is kind of strange that, she never got brought up early or later, but yeah, at least list her in the casualties of the Vong War when. <laughs> oh, she was on the surface of Vithor for some reason. Well, no. Yeah, she, she was there, killed but... with uh, with Lusa fighting off. Yeah, spice bandits when she was <laughs> trying to get her fix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good stuff. Um, but... so after they get to so basically Lusa's kind of brings forward to Han plants this idea that well her life's been so shitty because her dad dies and then she's also on this planet which is undergoing a civil war she's got this big plan to kind of kill Han she's working of course with Han's rival who we meet earlier on in the book and of course they end up you know falling right into it and going to the uh the planet of the civil the civil wars going on in and that's where like that's where people get their limbs blown off. They step on landmines. Someone runs through razor wire, which is pretty gruesome. Yeah, they have a bunch of fucked up stuff. Like in the so there's the farming village and the mining village, and they've been at war for thirty years. It started off as like the farmers were supporting the rebellion, uh, whereas the miners were supporting the empire because they wanted the their ores to be bought up more securely, and then it just turned into like. We're still fighting, so why not? New Republic never really did anything about it. And, like, the farmers would plant these sonic mines in the mines. Uh, sonic detonators in the mines, I guess is more clear. So whenever people would walk in, they'd explode. And I feel like the farmers would have a bigger advantage in this war on account of how they can feed themselves and the miners yeah. can't. Because the, and that's true, because <laughs> the original conflict is whether... is. Well, they say it's because the farmers wanted to support the alliance, whereas the Imperials, or sorry, the miners, given the fact that they're miners, they have to export material. They wanted to, you know, sort of join the empire so they could sell their wares. So yeah, you think that like one side is self-sustainable, the other is not. Um, but obviously the miners are doing a little bit of farming and the farmers probably a little bit of mining as well. Uh, That's not how Star Wars works, Justin. You have a planet. You have a group of people. They do one thing. Mm -hmm. They are the yeah. mining planet and the farming planet, and forever they are at war. 
Yeah, and I, we, I gotta mention too, like we don't see the whole war here. We're just seeing like two villages, like one on each side. Yeah. It's it seems like it's a much that's very small because they talk about how there's like a bunch of other villages. Um, but at the end, it seems like the New Republic is here to kind of help work it out. But we'll yeah. see. Uh, I actually don't know that we will see. I think we just have to assume that the New Republic sets it all right. Mm-hmm. Why this never got its own standalone novel, I'll, I'll never know. <laughs> so much potential. I mean, it, it it's kind of like just Shatterpoint. <laughs> yeah. Well, if um, if you're in the middle of a war and a young man comes over and crosses his anus across his chest, then you're going <laughs> to stop fighting too. You're saying if you get goat seed, you're going to stop fighting? That's pretty much what that is. <laughs> um, if Guys, if you don't know what goat seed is and you're squeamish, don't Google it. <laughs> don't Google G-O-A-T-S-E. Don't do it. Um, no, for real, though. It's very not safe for work. Um, I forget what I was going to say. I, I got goat seed on my mind now. It's just staring at me. Um, I can't hear yeah, goat seed without it, thinking of got ye. <laughs> It is kind of like Shatterpoint and that like the war has been going on for so long that the original purpose doesn't even matter anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just like they're just fighting because they've all done harm to each other, basically. Yeah, everyone's got to pay. Mm-hmm. Basically. Luckily, the young Jedi Knights are in town. Uh, the solo kids are kind of upset at the insinuation that their dad did something that was this gross as like mm-hmm. kill this guy, which... Mm-hmm. Seems like a like they'd have to be aware that he's killed a lot of people. Yeah, some I mean, of them more probably than didn't that, deserve it as much. Yeah, he was a spice trader, and they've got a new friend right now who's all fucked up on spice. Yeah, so like that's an aspect of Han Solo's past that's brought up sometimes and a little bit in this book where he's like, "Listen, I did it, but in the end, like you know, I I made my peace and I helped the alliance and stuff." It's like, yeah, but you also, you know, you weren't a great dude. You weren't the worst, but you know. You weren't always the best either. Like Spice and Star Wars always gets handled like a drug addiction with kid gloves, almost like it's the fucking Trix mm-hmm. rabbit. Like, I'd say this time was one where they actually were a bit more kind of yeah, a bit less like that. But yeah, you're right. Sorry, continue. Uh, I was done. Okay, you... that's it. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Like in this, then this she does have like withdrawal and like yeah, you know. But it's still, you know, it's still literally kid gloves in this one because it's a young reader novel. But, yeah. um, but yeah, but she's gonna find out probably that uh, the black son that she's working for has actually been kind of pushing the she's weapons gonna... on both sides, which is one of the things that made these, uh, these two villages open to stop fighting each other because it gets pointed out that on their way in, the solos and friends were once again nearly accidentally destroyed by an, a load of mind, which, like, who's going to fall for that twice? And the the traitor is like, oh, I'm selling weapons to both sides. And then they go and relay that information to the mining and farming village. And they, of course, know this specific one traitor by name because he's the only one that's supplying both sides in this specific conflict. I guess it's probably some sort of, like, localized trade deal that he has with each of them. So there's mm-hmm. some exclusivity there. But that's how they I mean, finally you'd come think, around. Like, the, the, the villages are like a few miles apart. You'd think you'd see them <laughs> dropping it off. <laughs> Drops off one, you takes off, you see him go like five feet and land. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or he's at the uh, 
the mining village. They just look in the back of the truck. He's got all those psionic blasters back. Like, what are those for? Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you want to mention? Or should we get to emails? I, I enjoyed the story. It was good. It was different. Uh, I, I kind of thought at the beginning that it was going to be uh, less about the solo kids, but not really. But I still I still enjoyed it. Yeah. It was yeah. good. One of the better ones. So mm-hmm. I look forward to seeing what happens next time in Crisis at Crystal Reef or yep. Trouble on Cloud City. No, I think it's Crisis Trouble at, at They didn't do the uh yeah, it's Trouble on Cloud City and Crisis at Crystal Reef. That that's the order. Okay. All right. So two stories left. We're getting very close to the end. Um let's take some time to answer some questions. Uh, uh, for that, for anyone who tunes out for the emails, next week oh, we are yeah. going to be doing uh, Shield of Lies, I believe. The second book of the Black Fleet Crisis. It's looking like that, yeah. I don't think there's anything that would kind of change that. So yeah, Shield of Lies next Thursday. And now let's look at a couple questions. Okay, if you do the first one, I will do the second. Okay, so... Starting with Stephen, the first one, I believe so. Okay. So Stephen asks, my question for you guys is about the, the opulence of the High Republic Jedi. When we see Jedi in the OT and prequels. Their aesthetic is very understated. Aside from a few exceptions, it's all muted colors and understated robes, contrasting heavily with the intricate pattern robes and lightsaber designs uh, of the High Republic. My theory on this is that we're going to see some kind of great humbling of the Jedi Order. Possibly some massive fuck-up or fundamental failing, mm. leading them to return to the roots and cast aside their ostentatiousness. What do you guys think? Is this way of separating the era we're familiar with, or is there something else to it? I like that idea. I've never actually thought about that. Um, because you're right, they do, you know, they're always wearing their their uh, princes, prince and princess robes. You know, they're opulent whites. Um, well, not always, but frequently. Um, and they are kind of a little higher i think in galactic consciousness at this point so yeah i think a, some sort of great humbling would be a, a cool idea i'm not sure if it's going to happen but i think that's a good idea yeah there's probably there's got to be something that happens that makes them step even further back into like uh isolating themselves from the galaxy because like part of what goes wrong with the jedi and the prequels is that like they are so disconnected from the day-to-day goings-on of everyone's lives and just can't relate mm-hmm. to what people in the galaxy are going through and how they as individuals are kind of like separating themselves from what they need as people. Uh, so I, yeah. I'm not sure if it's meant to be uh, such a negative thing in how it's presented in High Republic right now, because like part of it is supposed to be like, oh, this was the era that they were all so happy and great in, even though there were these other problems going on with what they were doing. But I think part of it is just to allow them a bit more individuality in the period. And it's hard to do that while still keeping some sort of Jedi robe without it looking a little bit more ostentatious. So we'll see which direction they end up going with it. My theory is that something is going to happen at the end of the High Republic that the galaxy won't realize that the reader will. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, my theory is that something will happen so that the downfall of the Jedi is assured like whether it's something related to the Sith or something else. Um, and they won't, it won't be a big thing in universe, but I do think that the reader will be like, okay, it'll provides more context to the fall. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that question. Next up, we have Garrett who says, 
Is the Clone Wars 2008 supposed to be part of both the canon and legend continuity? The answer to that is yes. Does it make that much sense with the amount of stuff ignored or redcon? Also, yes. Um, it could have been worse if they included the Vong storyline. I don't think... I think the Vong storyline bit is overemphasized. Um, what would have been included in the Clone Wars? I think all we really got is Dave Filoni or somebody made a drawing of a Vong character who could have appeared, but I don't think it really went um, beyond that. And then he asks, uh, what is your personal headcanon? For me, I don't really think about the Clone Wars that much when it comes to Legends, but what about you, Corey? Yeah, I... I feel like there are enough inconsistencies with other parts of uh, of media that covered the Clone Wars, including within the multimedia project. Like, it, I it, sometimes it gets held up as if there were no inconsistency there, and it was this perfect thing. It's like, no, but and it also conflicted with stuff we heard about before. So it's not like the Clone Wars introduced our first inconsistencies in the period, or even the biggest ones. So, like, the idea that we can take the prequels as being in the same universe as the X-wing books. I don't think it's that big of a jump uh, to be able to. Uh, Sorry. What's the word to. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I don't to think... include everything together from that. And mm -hmm. Essential Guide to Warfare does a really good job. Harmonize it. The, yeah. Uh, Essential Guide to Warfare and some other legend source books that came out after the Clone Wars cartoon had started. did a pretty good job making a lot of the broader strokes consistent, which is ultimately the main thing that matters to me, at least. So, yep, I agree. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's as big as a deal as it gets made out to be. And I think if we are going to try to separate the Clone Wars from Legends, then there are a lot of other big questions you have to ask about, like, why is Corrin Horn and his family able to exist in the timeline that has the prequels and yeah. Clone Wars? Like, a lot of it is just like the Clone Wars didn't like the Clone Wars would have been happy to retcon more. It's just like the story they were telling they didn't need to. Like the Clone Wars is something that George Lucas was personally involved with. I don't think for him, he would have hesitated to completely change something major if he had needed to. Yeah. Um, anyway, next question comes from Justin Taylor, uh, who says, so a question came to mind, given the recent controversy over slave one, would it make sense that now given how Boba is or, at the very least, seems to be a changed man that he might rename his ship. Or do you think that he would continue not really caring about the name of his ship and keep it as is? I don't really think Boba is a changed man. I just think that the Mandalorian has his allegiance. So, yeah, that's the biggest change for me, I think, rather than anything personal. Yeah, like, I don't think the whole name changing thing is actually happening. I don't think there's even a reason to believe it is. Like, there's an internal press release, essentially, where someone also messed up other names and a Lego set isn't really the name being changed. It's still the same on the data bank until that changes. I don't see any reason to believe it is changing. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think like the reaction, even if it was changing has been so overstated, but uh, one thing that I do think has been missed out a bit on the response to it is the idea of like, well, it's a, the name of the ship is Slave One. He's a slaver. He's an evil character. So, of course, it's going to be a bad ship name. But I think that misses a few things. Uh, for the one hand, I, he's Bounty Hunter and Slaver aren't exactly the same. But the way that Boba is being introduced in things like The Mandalorian and how he's getting his own show, there, 
I don't think he's ever going to be like portrayed as a fully good guy, but I think in the position of being kind of like the protagonist of a show that he's not going to be portrayed as being like a super evil guy. He'll at least be portrayed as like, oh, this is a man following his weird Mandalorian code or something. So I do think there will be a consideration of like where the the idea that like, oh, it's supposed to be an evil character so we can have a shitty ship name doesn't hold as true as it might have when he was just evil guy hunting Han. Yeah, I, I do think there is there may be something I don't for one, I don't think Disney is going to change the name. I do think that it will always be the technical name, but I think it's possible they are trying to somewhat distance themselves from it. I went back when I was making my video and I rewatched um I rewatched what's it called? The the Mandalorian episodes with descriptive audio on, and every time the ship appears, they say Boba Fett ship. They never once mention it. Basically how descriptive audio works is like if you were watching this video, it'd be like Ek sitting Ek walks in and is sitting down and then it would just cut into me saying it's just so people who have trouble seeing uh, can basically get the full experience and they don't say his ship name and they also don't say it when in a behind the scenes feature that I was watching um, about how it actually works and there were a few times where I thought people were going out of their way to say Boba Fett ship so I think it is possible and this is the thing that's being lost when you have these stupid stories from like IGN who like you know they, they take like it you can talk about it but like to take what they did and say Boba Fett ship has officially has a new name. Yeah. It's like, it's just stupid and you lose like, okay, maybe there is actually a discussion to be having. Yeah. Like I don't think they are changing the name. I do think that they'd probably want to distance themselves from the name, especially if they're putting Boba in a more like not necessarily heroic, but at least prominent position. Yeah. And either way, I don't think the response has been proportional at all to even if it had come out like fully confirmed that that is what's happening, which it hasn't. And it very like it hasn't been anywhere near that. Then I don't think even if that happened, that the response that has happened to the whole ship naming thing has been proportional or acceptable. Yep. OK, thank you very much for that question. Uh, I think we have Joel next. Um, he's got some thoughts. Um, so for one, he says he he thinks Jorah Sabaoth should be uh the role of Jorah Sabaoth should be taken by Supreme Leader Snoke as the Guardian of Wayland in a test for Thrawn. Um, he says he doesn't think the Thrawn trilogy remake um has to contradict info setup and bloodline, which I, I know I mentioned that in a video. I don't know if if we talked about that, Corey, basically just the bloodline kind of establishes that there wasn't a major conflict, um, between Endor and, um, Endor and, uh, the sequel trilogy. I, I just don't think though they give one shit about that one. It at most it'll end up like the whole thousand years of peace and stuff between the clone mm -hmm. wars and Sith wars where like other stuff happened. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I think that's really awesome. Thank you for very much for your thoughts. And I'm glad we got those thoughts from you, Joel, because I've been saying that you don't just have to send us questions. You have to, you get to send us thoughts. And he said specifically his rationale, um, which I will read. Um, he says, I don't think the Thrawn trilogy remake Mandoverse uh, has to contradict Bloodline. As long as it's not a major galactic scale conflict, the New Republic involvement is minimum and most of it takes place in the Outer Rim away from core and involves scrappy heroes like Din and the rest, which, yeah, I think that's totally fair. 
Äh, ja. Ähm. Thank you, Joel. We did get another question before that we missed from Torin. Oh, did I? Who asked, given the last time uh, both of you seem to think Disney is embracing Legends more now, what is the percent chance you give to Disney publishing new Legends books like Sword of the Jedi trilogy or Troy Dennings trilogy post Crucible? Next to zero, mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah, I'd put it at like 5%, maybe. I don't think it's impossible, but I think it's very, very unlikely. I don't think it's impossible that we'd get another Legends story at some point. Like, we got the Marvel uh, 108, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't think it's impossible that we get that. I think the idea that previously unpublished ones are going to be released, it, I think it really depends on how far along sort of the Jedi was. Or, is it, yeah, I don't I think, think sort of the Jedi was very far along. I'm yeah. not sure, but... I don't, I don't think it's especially likely, unless the Essential Legends collection just, like flies off the shelves or something mm -hmm. but maybe once high republic's over they'll be open to something else but i don't know what i do think is possible is that the um the expandeduniverse.com guys have more unreleased stuff that they're going to eventually release mm. i've gotten that impression from them and in, in conversations with them so i do think there are more legend stories that will come out but maybe no more besides for the old Republic and like the occasional source books sometimes are a bit legendsy. Like I, I think we may not get anything else official, but I think we will still get other stuff that was, you know, yeah. has an, some air of perhaps for a while being official, even if not ever released or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Good right. question though. Or yeah. Thank you, Torin. Also, I believe you are one of my recent patrons. So thank you for that as well. Um, I think we have Chris next. Do you want to uh, cover his? Uh, so Christopher asks, if you had to choose one franchise to have an official crossover with Star Wars, which would you want and why? The only way I'd want an official Star Wars crossover is if it was something like a video game, like non-canon, yeah. like a Smash Bros thing. Like, I'm not interested in reading a Marvel Star Wars crossover thing, even if it isn't non-canon. I just... yeah. I'm just not interested, but like I'd like to see like a Star Wars character in Smash could be cool. Like, yeah, uh, so Cal Kestis in Smash. Cool. I've been playing Disney Villainous with Dana, and then we play mm -hmm. like Marvel Villainous. So if they want to mm -hmm. just throw out like a Star Wars Villainous, it's actually a fun game. So do they have um, Star Wars characters in the new? Um, what's that? What is that a game called again? Um, with the Disney characters, um, I... like the Mickey Mouse and like. I'm familiar with with Disney characters. Yes. No, it, it's like it's like the big game, and they just released the third one a couple of years ago. I thought Disney Infinity. No, no, it's got like oh Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts, yeah, the guy. With the yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd be Kingdom up for Hearts. that. Are there Star Wars characters in that yet? I don't think so. Hmm, okay. But yeah, I know. I know they did Soul Calibur, and I know Halo had like Halo had Soul Calibur crossover yeah. too. Like that's fun. I'm cool with that. Yeah, um, I wouldn't want like a a Star Wars story of like Darth Vader and Iron Man teaming up to fight uh, Doctor Octopus or something. Okay, no, that actually sounds that sounds sick. I changed my mind. Doctor Octopus <laughs> would like lose immediately. That wouldn't yeah. be a good story. Yeah, Robert uh, Downey Jr. is dead. <laughs> Final question um, from Garrett, who says. Uh, my question mainly pertains to Yoda's age and significance as an elder master, and if this is devalued by characters such as Maz, 
being older than Yoda, uh, and she's got this sort of connection to the Force. What do you What do you think about that? I don't think it's devalued by having like other old characters, even other characters that are like yeah. uh, involved in some way in Force tradition, even if they're not like directly in with the Jedi. Like we even have other stories about like other organizations that work with the Jedi or serve as kind of assistance to the Jedi. And it's not really putting Maz Kanata as being like more powerful than Yoda. Just like she's all also old. She's also wise. She's had some sort of connection with the Jedi, probably passed information along or something and just knows enough of their traditions. Uh, kind yeah, of the same. Yoda dedicated his whole life to it. So. Yeah. Like, I don't think it takes away from Yoda for having like other old or other force adjacent characters. No, totally agree. Um, with that, I've got to go take a leak. I think we're done with all the questions. Um, anything you want to end off with, Corey? Uh, no, I think that's it. Next week, right. Shield of Lies. So if you have any questions for Shield of Lies, send those into tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com. Uh, next week, we'll probably also take a look at some reviews, if there's any. If you want to leave a review for the yeah. podcast this week, throw in the term leek. What is it? Leek. But make it L-E-E-K, leak. like the vegetable. A little, like the far-fetched veg, like this yeah. weapon. Yeah. Okay. So, listen to I the podcast. I love you like a far-fetched love does leak. That, yeah. Sure. All right. Okay. Free one for some. Bye, everyone.